0: Welcome to Season 3 of Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show we take a look at the season ahead and ask how far can the Bears go this year. And to help us discuss this season we are delighted to have Chris Jones, the BBC's rugby correspondent and co-host of the Rugby Union weekly podcast with us. We also look ahead to the opening game of the season against Saracens with our friends from Festcast, and we will delve into Bears Fashion with our thoughts on this year's kits. All this and more on this week's show, I'm Tony, and I'm joined by Lee, Miles, and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, can you believe it? The last time we were in Lee's Pad, Lee, thank you for hosting. That was the end of June. We've had a two-month break. Uh, and now we're back with season three. So the podcast actually has been going for two years. So uh, it is fantastic to see you guys. Let me start with the host with the most. Lee, um,
1: how's your summer been, Chuck? It's been busy, Tane. It's been very busy. Uh, one thing I just want to say is, like, why are you talking with your hands? Like uh, More like Tony Blair than Tony, Tony Cox, I'd say. But, um, yeah, it was a very busy summer. And it is absolutely a pleasure to have you all back in the same room in the in the love shop as we as we like to call it
0: <laughs> and uh, Pete I'm assuming you know after your, your school holidays you, you're back to work I'm interested because my daughter um, has had to have new uniform and a new pencil case and new stationery D- the teachers do that as well have you treated yourself to some new clobber and have you have you got a new quill have you
2: sharpened a new quill for the <laughs> for the term Well, maybe not a quill, but I got a new little blackboard slate, yeah, for writing on. But yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm a a geography teacher, so I did get a brand new pair of uh, khaki trousers and uh, a new jacket with with elbow pads. So uh, I've got to say, Toad, I mean, you know, having the summer off, uh, being back a week, I I can't wait till half term. (laughs) And
0: Miles, good to see you, fella. How has your summer been? I, I believe you've been you've been sailing recently as
3: well. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we had a little uh, week in our second home in Devon at the beginning of the summer, and then a week on our yacht on the Norfolk Broads in the last week of the summer holidays. Obviously, not our yacht, but yeah, yeah, the kids sort of enjoyed it. It was uh, really nice to get some sailing in. And also managed to have to bear a weekend with Pete down in his uh, second home in Selcombe. Joined him for a little cheeky weekend camping and but loved that, really enjoyed it. You two boys camping. There we go.
0: <laughs> well let's we're we're recording this at our normal time on Sunday night. I'm I'm using my hands again, aren't you you? Are yeah. really terrible it's, You've terrible. You've never done this before. It's the excitement of being back in the <laughs> in the studio. Um So we're recording this our usual time on Sunday night, um, and we are all very much looking forward to Friday, the season starting again. Um, But one of the things I wanted to get your views on was uh, about the squad. And, you know, how do you feel we're going into this season compared to maybe the squad that we came out of last season with? So, uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you first. your, Your feeling
1: Yeah, I think we can't deny that we're we're weaker as a squad than we were last season. We've obviously lost um, Earl and Maylins, Um, but I think that we've got enough as a group that we've built over the last kind of three or four years that I think that would see us through this season for sure. And, um, you know, I'm still I'm still quietly confident that, that we can do something this year.
0: Um, and Pete, do you agree with Lee that maybe the departures haven't really been matched by the players that have been cu- that have come in?
1: Yeah, I think
2: I think on paper you're right. Clearly, we ha- we haven't quite replaced uh, Malins and Earl. but I think you've got to look at the big picture again and, and think that you know we we don't have to integrate new people into the squad. We've had a full pre season. We've not one one British lion, and, and actually, if you look at players like Harding, Lloyd. Some of the younger players, the development they would have put in over the summer and the end of last season is almost like getting another half extra yeah. player. So I think if you, if you look at the, the, the round, I think we've got to be confident that we, we are going to be stronger than last year because we're, we're a year more experienced. And Miles, I think one of the things in the, when I look at the squad that stands out for me
0: is maybe the weakness that we might have at tight head props. That's not because we haven't got some great players, but the fact that Sinclair's not going to be mm. back until mid October because of Lions duty, and then he's going to be off again. Uh, hopefully for autumn internationals, we've got jo- the 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 ageless Jonah Foa <laughs> that's also combining playing with um, coaching duties, uh, and then we've got Jake Armstrong, who's the the, the third tight head. Who, let's face it, and I think you know we can be quite honest, didn't look that good last season now I know he's come back from a long term injury but um, tight head your thoughts on that and are there any other positions where you think maybe on paper we're looking a bit bit too light for the season ahead
3: yeah I I mean to be perfectly honest with you I think you know looking at the age of our front five and sometimes a lack of support in in key positions like that I thought we would have bolstered in that position uh, at the end of last season and over the summer but we clearly haven't Uh, saying that though we've got some fantastic players but I think you're right Armstrong didn't fill us with confidence when he came and played at the end of the last season or a few games um, because when he was fitting in for COVID we just don't know how long he's going to play how many games um, and I'm quite worried there and clearly that last game we all saw against Harlequin showed that some of the boys cannot last 80 minutes even, you know, some of the, I would say some of the youngsters really, really struggled. And, you know, Queen's put us to the sword, I'd say, really up front.
0: Yeah, and Lee, I mean, we've got um, Lahif, we've got uh, Jan Thomas that can come across to the other side of the scrum if necessary. But is that going to be good enough for a
1: team that's got aspirations to win this league? No, I'd agree with totally with Miles. I think that, I mean, the guys that we've got are class players, but as we all know, we've only got to have a few injuries in the in the well, tight five, really. And we're struggling because we are down to the bare bones. And, you know, I'm touch wood that we don't get the injuries. But if we do, we are really kind of, well, I don't, I don't know who we're going to pull out of the cupboards, <laughs> to be honest.
0: Uh, and Pete, one uh, that, again, if I look, that, that worries me slightly, only if people get called up is fly half. Obviously we've got Callum Sheedy and uh Jain Lloyd now, both are going to be knocking on the Welsh door probably for autumn internationals and six nations as well. If we lost those two for say 12, 12 weeks of the season, what where do we go from there? We've got Tiff Eden, I think, and is it Wilstead, the academy fly half
1: yeah. now? Bedlo might step in again,
0: Bedlo yeah. might step in, but. Is that a concern for you? Do you think Pat should have got a, a wily old fly half, maybe to, to to be a bit of backup for these boys?
2: Well, in an ideal world, you'd say yes, but I mean, it's a difficult balance to get. If you if you get someone and then they don't play for ages, you you know, yeah, you, you know, we, we think about that. We got Chris Cook as a, a kind of wily old scrum half last year. <laughs> he played one game. Miles slagged him off, and then we never saw him again. <laughs> so and he's left now. And, well. and he's left now, and he's in therapy. But I. Um, I think that um, I think we're probably going to stay with the model that we did last season I think we're just going to have to to rely on the, on the squad system I mean I think when Tiff Eden played those two games he was very much kind of looked after by Charles Piotr wasn't he and and I think that they'll look at it as, as rather than an individual position that's uh, that, that needs addressing but they'll just look at it as a team situation and and you know he's a professional player he's still mm, contracted yeah, yeah. to the club so Sam Bedlow and, and, and they know they'll know that they've got to step up so I, I, just, I just think that it will be part of the, the overall kind of plan Okay, well, let's.
0: Uh, I know it's early days. Let's have our first prediction of the night. I'm going to ask you where you think Bristol will finish in the league. Not whether we're going to go on to win it or what might happen in the playoffs. Where do you think we will finish in the league this season? And I'm going to come to Miles first.
3: Um, I think we're going to finish. Third, I think. I mean, we've got Saracens now back up. They're going to go strong, go hard by the end of the season. Um, You know, um, and and you've got some very decent teams. Chiefs, Quins. I'm not sure they're going to be there or thereabouts again. But with, you know, discussing the squad, I'm not sure we're going to make top two. I think it'll be extremely difficult. So three for me.
0: And I'm going to come to you next. Pete, your your prediction of where we're finishing the
2: league. I think it will be... uh... Uh, an an away semi final. I agree, Miles. Given the way we butchered the home semi final last season, I don't think that's a bad shout to be honest. But I just feel that we'll be in the top four. We have to be. If we don't believe we're in the top four, I don't think we should. Uh, you know, we should carry on. But I just think that it's going to be a tough old season. So i Miles has said third. So I, I'm going to go fourth. But that's not a bad thing, by the way. I think we'll still win it.
0: Okay Lee Nobody's going for the top two Are you going to agree with the boys Or are you you more confident Or even less confident
1: At the start of this evening I was going to say third But actually I'm going to I don't want to agree with Miles Because that's just <laughs> never going to happen I'm going to go second so, And I and I think it will be Yeah I think we'll finish second And maybe possibly Chiefs Or Saris above us But that's just more more on a basis of not agreeing with Miles <laughs> no. than what I actually believe in, if I'm honest. That, that's what I love too. Uh, that's <laughs> so, what I love about this podcast. Yeah, so Tony, what does
2: that
0: leave with you with then? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to finish top. No. So uh, I'll be quite clear about that. I, I think it'll either be second or third. Uh, and I am going to go for, I think I'm, I'm probably, I came in, thinking I was going to say third mm. but I just think we might get enough points on the board maybe to sneak second early on because I think Saracens as we'll talk about you know they've got a, quite a few players that are going to be missing for a large part of the season um, so no I'm, I'm going to go with Lee uh, rather than agreeing with Miles as well <laughs> <Okay>. Cheers, <boys. laughs> right well um, that's our predictions for the season ahead but we uh, we wanted to to get some insight from someone that maybe has a broader knowledge of all the Premiership teams, and who better than Chris Jones, the BBC's Rugby Union correspondent and co-host of Rugby Union Weekly podcast. I believe they're in the same league as us when it comes to uh, it comes to podcasts. So we were we were delighted when uh, Chris agreed to come on the show and Pete interviewed him. It's a pre recorded interview that was done last week. Uh, let's hear what
2: Chris had to say. Thanks for coming to talk to Bears Beyond the Gate. We really appreciate your time and helping us out with our season preview. So. First question, Chris. I want to go back to June the nineteenth. Bristol um, no. Bears are twenty-eight nil up after thirty-eight <laughs> minutes. Ashton Gate is rocking. Quins are in disarray. And then we do the unthinkable and we miss out on our first premiership final. So I'm interested in knowing from you what you think went wrong. Did we lose that game or did they
4: win it? Well, it's good to hear that you've moved on, Pete, (laughs) uh, from from the debacle that day. And thanks for mentioning uh, our podcast, especially as one of my co-hosts, was playing for Harlequins on that day and was uh, involved in that incredible turnaround. I don't know. uh, Look, what, what do you do if you're Bristol when you reflect on that? Do you say goodness me that shows that we are short in big games lacking mental strength are vulnerable can be got at can't handle the pressure or do you go that was just one of those sporting quirks that just happens sometimes and sometimes there's no rhyme rhyme or reason no reason for it it just was you know one of those incredible incredible games i think the tries before half time were key weren't they just gave gave harlequins that little bit of a boost and then yeah once the the more the game went on you you felt that this was going to be one of those great sporting stories so yeah i think this is what makes it a fascinating one for bristol now because you guys have just ridden ridden the crest of the wave and you know as i'm sure we'll chat about uh, Gate is is bouncing at the moment that friday night against Saracens, what better game um i i been to Ashburton Gate with it with no fans, with with lots of fans, and it's definitely better when the fans are in. One of the best places to go and watch rugby at the moment, and just the journey Bristol have been on. I've covered them back in 2011 for a season, and the transformation 10 years on from then to now is just extraordinary. But you know, there's still you know a Premiership title to be won, the Challenge Cups in the bag, uh, and obviously this this Pat Lamb and Steve Lansdowne journey wants to end with trophies. So the challenge is to, is to park that semi-final and um, try and go one better this time, isn't
2: it? Yeah. I mean, Pat has actually come out in the last couple of weeks and and sort of stated that, you know, the the objective now is a final because we've been improving Mm. every season. And that's, that's our, our our main objective. I mean, you know, given the fact that Saracens have now returned, um, there's lack of relegation again, um, a few rule changes um, and Arguably, we could say that we're we we made, we're slightly weaker, having lost Malin's Earl and Siali Piertau retiring. I mean, you know, is that a realistic goal for, for the Bears this season?
4: Well, it's definitely realistic because um, I think when you look around the premiership, you put Bristol in that top category of, teams that have a settled coaching team that have a settled ownership structure that have a settled squad that have a playing style that have an identity I was just talking um, recently about about Bath on on Radio Bristol and 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 still they're talking about what kind of team they're going to be they're talking about this style and that style you don't hear chat about style coming out of Bristol or out of Exeter or out of Saracens because they they know it it's in their DNA now maybe a few years ago it wasn't for the Bears but it is now so they have to be thinking about a final. Um, you're right, I think to to, to look at those Sarris Players that are going back in Earl and Maylands, who both made a massive impression. Um, Siali Pierta, I'm a huge fan of the kind of, um, the unheralded Piertel, but incredibly useful player wherever he's played in the premiership, whether at Bristol or Wasp. So you don't look at the Bristol squad and think it looks stronger on paper. Um, So is that a concern or are are Bristol fans happy with, with what they've got? So I think it's just a completely different challenge for the Bears because previously it's just been about exceeding expectations. Now the expectations are sky high, aren't they? And that's, it's probably easier as a club and as a player and as a coach to, to set your expectations there, you know, medium and then aim high. But if they are high, you've got to aim even higher. So I think it's definitely in Bristol's gift and in their, capacities to, to reach a Premiership final but weirdly I think it's going to be harder this year than it may have been last year for all kinds of reasons not least as you mentioned the fact that Saracens are back in the big time and they no doubt will mean business
2: yeah I mean it's uh, yeah it, it, I think what you say is absolutely right and I think there is a feeling among the fans that you know that was the season you know that we we, we missed an opportunity there and um, but having said all that, you're absolutely right. We're on and up with progression. We've sold 10,000 season tickets. We've by all accounts had a good pre-season training as far as I can tell for all the pictures of the players in speedos at a swimming pool and all that stuff. <laughs> how, how, long have you been a, how
4: long have you been a Bears fan for? Oh, I've been yourself? in Bristol
2: about 20, 20 years actually. I mean, I'm an yeah. Bristolian but uh, it is my my home. And and yeah, been a season ticket holder when we were down in the championship and and the move to, to Ashton Gate. And
4: uh, actually, I live quite, I live in BS, so I live quite close to Ashton Gate. so it was a great move for, for yeah. us. And, uh, I, I just remember, I just remember 2011, Bristol finished eighth in the championship yeah. and, you know, um, Tom Tate, who's who's moved up to a, 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 a team manager role i think he's at now or chief chief officer he's got a cracking new job title he's been brilliant in terms of working with the media over the last um 10 years but he was a one man band paul Hull was the coach two or three members of the media would go down playing in the, in the mem training in clifton and so that you know you, you you sometimes pinch yourself to, to, to be where you are now with ten thousand that cracking friday night atmosphere at ashton gate and players like rodrada and um and Charles Pierce are running a mock. Do you have to keep even even after the disappointment of the semi final? Do you sometimes have to just pinch yourself and go, hold on, it's still going pretty well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think people were disappointed
2: because that semi final was there to win and it's almost inexplicable how that happened and and you know it shouldn't happen it shouldn't happen the uh, yeah, we should have put the brakes on somewhere but as you say i think give it a day or two after that i think we all we all kind of realize that we're all part of this and it's going to carry on and and whatever happens we we're guaranteed to see exciting, fast-flowing, if not slightly nerve-wracking, rugby. Uh, actually <laughs> then. So, yeah. I mean, on that note, I'm I just are interested what your view is of what our strengths and weaknesses actually are as a as a team.
4: Well, I think I think the um, it's it's a it's a very distinctive style, isn't it? When you in terms of the the bristle attack, I've never seen any team really attack like it. But they almost sort of stack up in a single fire and then and then and then flood round and you know rely a lot on on handling a lot on kind of men in a, in a one-on-one channel, whether it's a pit or I'd rather beating their opposite man. Um, You know, clearly there there are areas where, where Bristol, I think they, perhaps a couple of, you know, one or two nasty type five forwards can never go amiss as great as Dave Atwood and Jonathan have been, you know, those guys can't, can't go on forever. Um, Nathan Hughes as well uh, has been, has been big, but you know, he's, he's someone who is not, probably in the in the peak of his career he's probably getting getting to you know towards the last few years of his as well so yeah i think there's certainly certainly those areas i, I would think it, it, if anything bristol could just do with shoring up the set piece shoring up that tight five because you know in in big knockout games that's often um that's often pretty key isn't it
2: yeah no i think so i think that was the general feel that maybe just a touch of pragmatism in that second half would have seen us home um but actually you know we have come a long way in that sense and in fact our set piece has been pretty strong for the last season mm. seasons and uh yeah i think you're right i think it's just in big moments it, it can go either way and uh it was it was good that we were there to uh to witness <laughs> yeah
4: that. yeah um, as tough as it've uh, ever been
2: i mean just thinking about the season as a whole i mean it, obviously there's a, a week there's about 10 days for its start i mean what, what do you see are uh, what do you see might be the top four teams i mean it's hard to predict at this point but you know, it's always worth it was worth asking that question <laughs>
4: Mm. Well, I think Saracens will be there. I think Saracens will be will, will come back really strong. Um, you feel that they like actually all rugby teams, all these rugby teams, don't they? It's always this clamour for the underdog tag. It's always a, you know backs against the wall siege mentality. We see it in Test rugby all the time you see a coach trying to you know say oh we're the underdogs and everyone hates us and everyone's writing us off even if they're not they just say it and try to foster that that back the wall mentality but that is certainly going to be there from Saracens and we, we know that that often fired them up during their golden period the no one likes us we don't care attitude and that's going to have only been accentuated over the last year 18 months I'm staggered that they that they've managed to keep But they've lost players. Obviously, they had to lose players. They lost Skelton and Liam Williams and Brad Barrett retired. They've lost some real talisman but then to get Erland Malins back you you know I wonder if some Bristol fans hope that those would turn into permanent deals some way or other but they didn't they're back at Sarries now Alex Good's returned. the British line contingent Farrell Attoje Vinopolis etc all there so I can't see anything but Sarries getting to the final um, Harlequins are a funny one because they won in what other season would a team win the league but very few people are backing them to win it again you know, and I think they've actually recruited quite quite wisely. They've brought in Hugh Jones, who should suit their style of play pretty nicely. Tabai Matson's a well travelled, highly experienced coach. It seems to be a great atmosphere down there. They've got their identity back, but I still wouldn't think Harlequins would be, will, be, will be title contenders again. And then there's all these clubs where you're just not sure what's, what you're going to get from Northampton. You know they're onto something with Alex Anderson, but you also know that they were badly beaten in the semi-final by Exeter. You know Exeter will be there again, but, you know, it's their playing style just been a little bit found out? So it's hard. It's not like the league was maybe five, ten years ago where you absolutely knew that, you know, Leicester would be there. Northampton would be there, Saracens to be there, for example. I think it's a bit bit trickier, but certainly for me, Saracens in that final. Um, I wonder if it'll be against Exeter. That'd be a bit of a sporting showdown. The you know the two foes from the sort of salary cap storm. Um, but I give Bristol a great a great chance. Um, But in terms of who's coming from the pack, I'm not so sure at the moment. I'm not sure whether it's a Northampton or a Sale or a Bath or or a Gloucester um, or a Leicester or a Wasps. All those teams, you've got a few question marks over. A lot of them have had changes. A lot of them have changed their their coaching teams. The ones you know what you're going to get. The weird weird thing is the team that's got promoted, you know what you're going to get from Saracens because I don't think their DNA has changed a huge amount. So top four for me, Saracens, Exeter. Bristol and then you know maybe maybe a, a Leicester or Wasps could sneak in as well
2: I was I was going to say I'm sure our listeners are, are very pleased to hear that you hardly mentioned uh, Bath at all there in, uh, in your analysis what
4: do what, 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 what you what do you what do you got you guys uh, I find this fascinating because you know when we look at the a decade ago, for example, Bath had just been brought by Bruce Craig and Bristol were playing in front of, you know, two men and their dogs at the MEM. And then, you know, to, to see the balance of power completely shift to Bristol in the West Country, you know, if we're excluding Exeter in the Southwest, but in the real, you know, West Country, you know, Bristol-Bath rivalry, to see that balance of power completely shift to Bristol has just been extraordinary over um, the last the last few years. And everything about Bristol has been better. Off the pitch, on the pitch, recruitment, coaching, game experience, atmosphere, everything. They have moved the training... Even Farley was the much vaunted training base and now you've got Mark Tainton saying no no this is the best training base in the country so that has been amazing to see how Bristol have just leaped from Bath in every different facet of being a rugby club and you think Bath are, are probably smarting um, from that so you know is that one of the most satisfied things about this this era of being a Bristol fan the fact that it's pretty hard for, for Bath to say that they're the kings of the west country yeah, these days you said all the right things there Thanks. Very much. <laughs> well, well when I go on a Bath podcast I'll say the opposite well
2: yeah yeah we, we have had a- <laughs> We have had a we have um, cross swords with their podcast a couple of times, so yeah, nice. <laughs> it, it, all good banter. Um so I've just got a couple of just sort of general questions to finish off with. Um uh the rule rule changes. I, I there's a couple coming in, aren't there? I, I just wonder whether you think they'll have any impact.
4: So is this the the 50-22 and, and, and the dropout if you're held up over the line. The goal line dropout, yeah. I think the, the goal line dropout if you're held up over the line, I don't hate that. But, you know, we were seeing situations, I think, in the rugby championship that day where teams were kicking it dead and it'd be a goal line dropout rather than a 22, which really befuddles me because surely you can't encourage teams just to keep the ball dead. Um, I, I think the 50, it's difficult. I, mean, I was chatting to Steve Hansen today, the you know the New Zealand coach around this, this 12s thing. Yeah. And he made the point that everyone's always adding to the laws. They're always complicating it. When actually he thinks, you know, let's strip the laws back. Let's have fewer laws rather than more. And I kind of know where he's coming from. You feel something's not quite right with the game if you've got to keep making these, these adjustments and these tinkerings. Obviously, there are some laws that come into a sport, that change it for the better, you know, in the seventies, or whatever it was, you could back pass in football and pick it up. That changed. And that's been much better for the game. You know, rugby calling the mark or whatever, these things have evolved and you understand it. I think the 50, the principle of the 50-22 isn't bad at all to get the wingers dropping back, to leave more space on the edge, to encourage teams to to throw the ball a bit wider, a bit sooner, and perhaps a bit deeper in their own territory. there's always the unintended consequences of these things. So that could then just lead to even more kicking when the plan is for it to, to lead to less. So I'm not sure I want to give it, you know, I want to be open-minded. Like I'm super open-minded about this 12s, even though people could rightfully say, look, stop tinkering and stop coming up with new formats of a game. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, we've had this a lot over the last decade and with the ELVs, when you collapse them all, then that changed. And everything's quite cyclical in rugby. And it feels that we focus on one area and then another area needs focus and that other area gets forgotten. Do you know what I mean? It was all about the breakdown. So loads of penalties to the breakdown. Now everyone's saying we need to police back foot offside and they'll probably forget about the breakdown. So in a, I haven't really answered your question. I think they both could, could be good, but I worry that they will have other consequences that, that won't be so good for the game.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. It's, 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 we'll, we'll probably find out as the season goes on. Um, mm. Actually, I was going to ask you about the uh, the new Rugby 12s because obviously that was announced today, wasn't it? And, you know what what. What your thoughts are? I mean, in the context, maybe a little bit of of, of the hundred in cricket, you know, in mm. many ways being seen as quite a success um, in some
4: quarters. Do you, do you see the same thing with this? I, I think that the best comparison is is with the IPL. People are comparing it to the hundred, but the hundred was an ECB-sanctioned event, basically cooked up by the ECB in collaboration with broadcasters. This is, and they 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 were stressing the people in charge of twelve say this is not a rebel competition. They want it to be sanctioned. They want to play fair. They want to play. Ball However, at the moment, it's not sanctioned. It is independent of the clubs and the unions. And on that ground, you think, well, this will never fly. They'll never get player release. And the only way this works, the 12s, is if the best players in the world are playing. It doesn't work if they've got to take guys from sevens. Because the reason sevens doesn't really fly is because people don't think they're watching the best players in the world. And it's a different type of game. And, you know, it's, it's an Olympic sport now. And people could argue that this investment should be going to sevens. But if you had a Bowden Barrett playing alongside a Damien Dillande and a and a Owen Farrell or whatever, people are going to watch that. And so the all of this idea, twelve aside, more space, more aerobic, fifteen minute halves, skill levels, t twenty of cricket, it all relies on the best players being available. And if they can somehow get enough money for the players to go to their clubs and go to their unions, I want in on this because look what happened with the IPL, England cricket were dead against the IPL. It led to Kevin Peterson and all of that row. English cricket got cannibalized. They ripped, you know, torn in half for two years. They danced with the devil in Alan Stanford because Stanford was offering something different to the IPL. And it was all because the ECB didn't want to acknowledge the IPL. Then they realized the IPL was a beast they just couldn't tame. And now the English players go off and play in the IPL and they work through their schedules With the players. And if the 12s can do that and actually get big name players going, no, no, hold on, I'm going to play in this. I'm being offered 100 grand to rub shoulders with the best players in the world for three weeks. I want in. And if that happens, all bets are off and this is a game changer. But if the players don't get released, then it's not happening, it's dead in the water. So I don't think in in the sport, Pete, we, we spend a lot of our time saying the game needs to improve as a spectacle we need more money in the sport. There's not a global competition outside the World Cup. The World Cup drives finances for four years. We need something else. We can't say there's things wrong with the game and then when something comes along, dismiss it out of hand. I think this is fascinating and the fact that it's got people like Steve Chewy and Richie, Gareth Davis, Steve Hansen behind it means you've got to sit up and take notice. But, at the moment it's pie in the sky, whether it becomes less pie in the sky and more reality over the past few months, I think it's going to be really, uh, really interesting to see. What are you, what's your take as a, as a, as a club yeah, rugby fan, where, where yeah. are you coming at?
2: I mean, I suppose as a Bristol fan, I mean, we, we get quite a good dose of attacking rugby. Yeah, sure. it, uh, You've got the bar bars you know, anyway. Yeah. Like, well, just, just play better rugby like we do, but no, I, mean, <laughs> sure, I, sure. I, I think you summarized it really well. I mean, I, I, you know, there always has to be some sort of catalyst, perhaps, to make these ideas go. And and I think you make a good point about it. it has to be player led. Um, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a sports fan. To be honest, I I, I watch lots of different sports, and, and if there's something new to watch, I, I I would support it. And you know, a lot of. A lot of, well, not Bristol fans, but a lot of rugby fans probably thoroughly enjoyed watching the Sevens in the Olympics. And, um, you know, I think there are there are hardcore sports fans that will just soak in anything like that. But I, I do think you're right. I, I think, I suppose you've got to start these things. You've got to get the conversation going. And, and you know, maybe if it doesn't quite, I mean, the 100 obviously was was kiboshed by, um, by COVID. And, you know, you wondered whether that would actually get going again. And, and then it did. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what, what's mm. going to happen? I do have one final question that I think is uh, is probably on the tip of every rugby fan's tongue at the moment, and uh, it is. Um, is Ugo going to make it past the first week of Strictly?
4: Ah, right. Now, th- this is actually, I've been asked this a lot, as if people think that because I do a podcast with him, I'm a regular dance partner of his. You know, I I, I can't vouch for his moves the other way. And anyone listening... You know, he's. He, if you go to to the to the to the bookies, I, I went to um to look at the Strictly Come Dancing betting just out purely out of out of interest. <laughs> he's quite far. He's quite far down. I think he's. I think he's an outside bet. Um, he's a sportsman. He's obviously got you know got coordination and he's going to work really super hard to. You know, he doesn't want to be the the rugby player that that flops. Given rugby players in the past have won the whole thing, so Not the Anne I'm, I'm contestant. You. <laughs> it's, it's tough isn't it because you do you put your you put yourself out there to be shot at this is big time prime time dancing on telly kind of stuff i'm i'm backing him i'm i'm backing him i don't say that with a huge amount of of fact behind it because i haven't danced with him very often recently but <laughs> i i i yeah i think he's worth the i think he's worth a couple of quid and i think he's worth uh yeah, I think he's worth keeping an eye on because I I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he does all right. Do
2: you think the other lads on the pod, pod are slightly uh, envious? You know, might be talking to their <laughs> agents for uh, the next
4: year. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that at least I suppose Danny has a day job defending the Premiership title. He would say, you know, that's uh, that's his priority number one. But I think yeah, I think if Danny was offered strictly, you would um, I think arms would be ripped off and contracts <laughs> would be would be signed very fast. But maybe he's got all that to look forward to after his playing career.
2: Brilliant. All right. Well, I, I, we'll see. Uh, I, maybe I'll go and put a little outside bet on him as well after your <laughs> endorsement there. But um, well, look, I really appreciate your time for for talking to us and giving us that that kind of insight into the whole of the rugby world. That uh, you know, no problem. No problem Bristol, at all. But we, it's nice to get some some other people on and, and give us some alternative um, some of the, So so perhaps maybe later on in the season when uh, things have changed, we might ask you again to uh, to come back and uh, review yeah. your prediction.
4: Yeah, I'm on all my predictions. Yeah. When Saracens are tenth, and I said they'd, they'd get to the final, so no, we're really up for it. Um, yeah, I'd look forward to listening to you guys through the season.
0: Well, Pete, I know I think that was about twenty minutes that interview, but honestly, I could I could I could have listened to that for another forty minutes. He's yeah. so eloquent, knows so much about the game, but just speaks so. I love the, how open he is, mm-hmm. and y- you know. it. I just thought that was fantastic I mean I think of our 80 episodes that we've done this is the 80th episode I think probably apart from having Pat on you know that's that's certainly the favourite guest that I've had, and what insightful stuff he was saying. What what was he like then? Because you must have had a chat, obviously, before and after you recorded.
2: Yeah, yeah. He uh, he obviously only thinks there's only me that does the podcast at the moment. But no, uh, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, he, he used uh, he, he showed some respect to the pod by using a proper Radio Five line microphone uh, when he was doing. His, he got his proper recording equipment. Um, yeah, really, really easy to talk to. I mean, he's such a pro. He'd, he'd been for a run just be, just before and I I believe he'd also just been on the scrum talking about Bath he'd been on Radio Bristol just before he came on with me so he, he was able to switch <laughs> he's a <laughs> classic BBC but yeah really easy to talk to um, you know and uh, I should just have a shout out to uh, Smithy Ian Smith at Radio Bristol who helped us uh, sort that, that yeah, interview out and a big big friend of the show but yeah I mean I could we did actually talk quite a lot afterwards off off, uh, off after recorded, and he just just chit chat about stuff. He just he seemed he was very happy to give his time. So, and as you say, Tony, I mean his his knowledge is is great. He's very eloquent, um, and thank God we had him on. <laughs> <laughs> Have he, you he heard about Miles though? Oh, oh I didn't mention Miles. <laughs> we had a certain level of professionalism I had to maintain. <laughs> yeah, um, and and there, I mean, obviously he's
0: talked about the teams. He's talked about our strengths and weaknesses. You know, we're not going to go over that again for the listeners, but. Some of the things more generally that I wanted to talk about, and let me come to you first, uh, Miles, was about these rule changes. Now, what how do you see specifically the two, I think the big the big ones, which are the 50-22 rules? So if you kick the ball and it bounces right. out from yeah. inside your own half, you're going to get an attacking line out. Um, and also if you get hold up held up over the line, yeah, the uh, defensive team are going to be able to drop out from behind their goal line. How do you see those? Are, are they necessary changes?
3: Um, I don't know about necessary, but interestingly, Pete and I were chatting about them on our little paddle on Bristol docks this morning because none of us we had to sort of remind ourselves about the changes. And actually, I think the first one, the fifty twenty two rule change, is actually pretty good for Bristol. We love our attacking line outs close to their try line and, and that's served us well over the last couple of years. So it wouldn't be beyond the likes of Callum really to be inside the inside our half, pop it to the 22 and out and fantastic, we get a line out. I mean, obviously it's going to require pinpoint kicking. Um, you know, hope that Callum can step up to that. I think that's a great rule change. I mean, one thing we must know is that you can't take the ball back into your own half and then punt it into the twenty-two and out. Um, it sounds like a great attacking rule change to me, and I think it's going to see uh, some great plays and some a lot of use of it, in my opinion. Uh, the other one, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's, you're saying if the ball's held up on the line, you're going to get a uh, a drop out on our try line. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> see, I, I I kind of disagree
0: with you. I'm a little bit worried about this fifty twenty-two. I think what we're going to see is some. And I think Chris talked to, about it there, uh unintended consequences. Mm. I think we're gonna see more kicking. Yeah. Um, and I think it may even stifle some of the the running rugby. I, I, I'm I'm a little bit worried about that. The drop out from the twenty two, uh, I think that, that's an okay rule change because I think if if the team go for it and they're held up, um you're right, you know, you people are gonna punt it out, you know, someone's gonna come running straight back at them then. So yeah. Uh, I, I think that could be quite exciting. Um, I come to, to Pete, your, your thoughts on the rule changes. Anything to add to uh, to what's well, been said? I just
2: think that the whole point of the 50 22 is to try and kind of create space, isn't it, for for running rugby. And the, the theory being that if you know there's a risk of losing a line out in your own 22, you're going to stick your full back, back, your winger back, and therefore you're giving the attacking team an option. They don't have to kick it, but it means that there is some space. And I think this is the whole. I mean the whole thrust at the moment apart from Bristol Bears who, who seem to who hunt for space anyway as part of their game plan you know, I think there's a feeling that that perhaps the the, the game has got too squeezed and the you know, rush defences have squeezed the game and we're not seeing the ball get beyond the outside centre but I do agree with you I, it's one of those rules you just don't know what's going to happen until it happens and there's always there's always ways round I mean this is the thing about rugby isn't it every time you bring in a new law then, then something else is forgotten, and then, you know, then that starts to become the issue. Yeah. I, I do, I, I agree with you. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, I guess it's just if, if, if teams keep the other team guessing. You know, sometimes kick it, sometimes don't. You know, and that that, that might cause uncertainty. But I, I think the held the held up one. You get one chance. That's the whole point. It's getting rid of the yeah. kind of yeah, latching. Yeah. Have another go. Yeah. Have another go. Five meter scrum. It's boring, you're, isn't it? You're. And we, I think that's a good way. it's say so you have You have one shot. Okay, you get the ball back in possession, but you're getting it back. You know, if you've got a good boot in the halfway line, you've got to build again. So it's asking them to skill. So I'm more of, I think that that held up one is. I agree with you. Is it's the the more proactive one, but we'll see. Yeah, and
1: and you Lee, anything to add? Not too much to add, but I do agree with you too. And I've I've got here in my notes like the less attacking minded size would, you know, just try and kick the ball out. And you know, I don't I don't know if it will add that much to the to the whole spectacle, uh, spectacle as a game. But obviously we're blessed as Bristol Bears fans that we kind of, the way we play rugby is not the way that a lot of the other sides do play. So not too much to add, but I don't think it would be, you know, it's, it's a... It's not going to be a game changer. It's change a yin and a yang, yeah. Not a game yes. And yeah. I
0: think, Lee, as well, we, we, we haven't got like an Elliot Daly that can boom the
1: yeah, ball. that's the thing.
0: Callum quite accurate, but he's not got a big boot, has he?
1: Not at all. So, at all.
0: you know, whether that is actually going to suit us or whether we are going to go for, you know, getting it out wide quicker. If, if yeah. But then, you know, I think people will start to anticipate. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. I think my overall thing is, is, is the game really that broken that we need yeah. to change the rules to try and fix it? I agree. And I, I, I think... I, I don't think it is. Uh, Pete, let me come to, to you then, because uh, I think it was the actual day of the interview, this news broke of mm. of the 12s tournament. So uh, again, we've heard
2: what Chris has said. Um, your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think it's going to go ahead? Well, yeah. I mean, I was asking him the questions and then he put me on the spot and asked me what I thought and I'd had a full day at work and I hadn't really thought about it. So I, uh, and I was a bit kind of on the fence. I mean, I think my, my, I was quite pleased with my response saying, well, if you want to see attacking rugby, come and watch Bristol Bears. like that. Uh, which I was, and then then I flustered and floundered around for a bit. I mean, clearly it is a, a toe in the water. Uh, there's no, no official sanction. There's a lot of negative uh, responses to it. And as I, I don't really know, I don't feel I've got a, a strong enough opinion about it because I don't know the details. All I know is that it's not official. It seems... Crazy to be adding more workload in an already bitty season. But as Chris pointed out, using his analogy of the IPL, I mean, if it get gains momentum and the money appears and pl- and the players sign up, it could become a beast that can't be tamed. But I I, I hope I don't I can't see it happening. And,
0: and Lee, what do you think? I mean, is is Pat gonna say, all right, all right, uh, you know, Charles Semi, go and earn yourself a few extra quid and uh, miss
1: you know, a big chunk of pre-season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Pete. I think that that actually, I mean, Bears players get paid well enough anyway. We all know that. But I just, for me, it kind of feels like, well, it feels like a bit of a non-starter. And do we really need it in the game? I mean, we've already, you know, I don't think, as you've just alluded to then, I don't think the game really needs that much change as it is, I think is... It's a great game. We all love it, and I just think we spoke a lot the last season about player welfare, and and yet we're we're then introducing something else. We're going to be playing more games or different games, and I just think we have to be very very careful. These these guys put their body on the line every week, and we have to be very careful that personally, if it was me, I wouldn't want to be sending our players in and uh, and play more games than 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 needed to without wearing a bare shirt.
0: And, yeah, you, know, you look at the premiership players, Miles. We, we've got the season's going to finish the third week in June with the uh, the playoff final. You're probably going to have a couple of summer tests uh, that will take you into the first week of July. And then we're asking these guys, you know, all right, it will be the best in the world, that's the idea, to then play three weeks in August. We can't just throw a team together. They've no, got to do no, some training no. as well. Yeah. I mean, for the top players... In, in the in the Northern Hemisphere, but sure. that's going to mean they, they almost don't get any time off at all.
3: Yeah, it seems a bit crazy to me. I mean, you know, one thing playing another tournament in like the, the baking hot sun that is August in the UK, is just crazy <laughs> idea, in my opinion. You're right. I mean, seasons internationally with North and South finish at different times. Uh, I know that World Rugby have tried to amalgamate the two unsuccessfully over the last year. But you're right, when are these teams going to get together? When are they going to train? What franchises are they going to sort of be playing under? I mean, um, it's a little bit like you, you mocked me watching The 100 this summer, which I quite enjoyed a couple of matches. Actually, only watched two, and then I, I, I forgot it was on and got bored a bit. But a three-week tournament, I think the most key thing is... What's it going to be shown on? Is it going to be free-to-air, pay-per-view? If you want this spectacle of a world rugby tournament with the best players in the world, a bit like what proved last night, watching a fantastic win by Emma Raducanu, and if something like this is free-to-air and easy for people to watch, are they going to pay? And I'm I'm not sure they will, and I'm not entirely sure it'll go ahead. And that's why it doesn't work for me, because it needs the money to be funded in to play the
1: pairs, and... You know, without that, obviously, it's a non-starter, isn't it? So.
0: Well, only if a TV company comes in with a massive check, and that's yeah. going to be pay-per-view, isn't it? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, one of the subscription services. Okay, and then, um, and of course, uh, obviously, uh, an, a, a, an obsession of yours, Pete, Strictly,
2: you, you you tickled that final little question in about who goes uh, dancing toes. Well, I think it's a, a very serious question, because, um, I, you know, I... Um, you know, I wanted to, to to see whether it was worth putting any money on him. And uh, I think the feeling we got from Chris, uh, who was at, at pains to stress he has never danced with Ugo, mm. but kind of assumed, uh, kind of uh, reminded us that Ugo's the sort of guy that doesn't do things in halves. And if he's going to do something, he's going to take it seriously. So I, I think... Uh, if, if he, has a, if he has a good start and he gets in the judges' good books, I think he's a good each-way bet for, for at least getting to Blackpool.
0: Did you see that then, that Miles went to the fridge and got himself a drink and he, he got Lee a drink and completely ignored me?
5: Oh, I know.
3: Yeah, sorry, I was I as I was, oh, you mean to go yeah, on, I, was, I was half yawning when you got to talk about dancing, really, but I, I should have been concentrating so apologies, TC, it won't that, happen again. That's that
0: that's alright, mate, that's alright.
3: <laughs> right, um let's
0: move on then, because this Friday, 7 45 pm. Once again, the Bears have the privilege of kicking off the season. Uh we're at home to Saracens. Whoa, did you say Friday? Friday. Seven forty five this Friday. This Friday, this very Friday. Oh, Christ, I got a tea.
1: I've double booked (laughs) I tell you what I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go through the calendar and try Um, to cancel No you do
0: cancel because there is one thing we have not had a big crowd at Ashton Gate to watch the Bears for what I don't know 16, 18 months now I am so up for that Uh, so up for this it will be the four of us together (laughs) drinking beer watching rugby There'll be no wives, no girlfriends, no kids. Much as we love them, this is about the four of us being there together. No distractions.
3: Well, potentially no Lee. You now I'm worried about the shit. T- t- no,
1: after that speech, I and have to coming. be there, boys. Lad, I have yeah. to yeah. be there, kid lads. Yeah, lad.
3: yeah. and we're in. Yeah, just
0: the
1: four of just us. Just the four, just of, us. The four I mean, of us. Just the Why four of us. Just the four of us. We're in. Miles, I'm just in. the four of us. I'm in,
3: yeah. Well, actually, the Duchess has come in. no! What? The Duchess is inviting herself... And, oh, no. and, and her boss, who's a half-hearted oh. Sarri supporter. But TC, I've made them sit at least four rows behind us. So it's, don't worry, it's nothing to worry about. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe the first game back <laughs> and you've invited the
0: Duchess. It's criminal. Oh, sorry, dear, sorry. Dear. Anyway, before we talk about the game, let's hear from our good friends at uh, the Fezcast which is the Saracens podcast. And uh, again, earlier in the week, uh, we had
2: the first of Pete's Premiership previews with Jez. So let's listen to that now. So um, hello to Jez Denton from uh, Fezcast. Uh, I'd just like to say, first of all, Jez, welcome back to Premiership Podland.
5: Well, thank you very much, um, Pete. Uh, it's great to be uh, back in the in the Premiership, as I'm sure you could appreciate. I mean, somewhere, somewhere where Bristol's obviously spent years trying to get into, yeah. and then okay, you know, yeah. yeah, when we had our year away, so um, yeah, well, great now, to be yeah. back.
2: Well, now you know what it's like, yeah. So anyway, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's let's start off on a good footing. Um, I've got a, a first question to you, um, and actually, I, I really want you to think back to that that first game of the championship when you lost down in Cornwall, I mean, was there a little part of you that thought you might not make it back up this season or were you always confident that you would uh, you would get the promotion?
5: I think the thing was that the way it was set up, you looked at the clubs down in the Championship and what was surprising is that there was quite a lot of competitiveness there. And, and I think the problem for Saracens was going down was a, a realignment to a different way of playing the game uh, in particular in the front row. I mean, we had Alec Clary on our, on our um, podcast, who was very honest and said, look, you know, you can get away with blue murder in the, in the championship. And whilst it was a bit of a shock, the result against Pirates, I don't think it was actually as much as a shock as people were expecting. When we played against Jersey, the first 20 minutes, we thought, oh God, it's going to happen again. But then Vinnie Cock just went tough. And didn't try and dominate, he just, and bang, sort it from that moment on. It was a build-up, it's what Saracens always do, it's the DNA of, you know, the, the league season is just a way of getting to the final.
2: Well on that note you're back here and you've got us on the first game of the season so um I'm kind of interested to to to, to hear what you think about how your team are going to cope um you know realistic a big crowd under lights at Ashton Gate and and you know having been used to, more used to a couple of men and a few sheepdogs at Hartbury college um, you know would you have preferred a, a a different first away game or do you or do you think this is what you need to get back into the big time
5: I actually think that what we wanted as a a game, and I think the first thing to say is, before we sort of say that, is that we appreciate that Saracen's on a hiding to nothing here. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to go to Bristol Bears and the rest of of the league are sat there saying, yeah. Good, and let's see Bears give them a shellacking. Let's see Bears put fifty points on them. Whatever you know, I mean, there's going to be all through the season. We know there's going to be people turning around and saying the punishment wasn't enough. Saracen should have been put down in the fifth division yeah. or whatever. We know that's coming. We also know that if we go out and beat Bristol Bears, for instance, on on um, on Friday night, you know, which could happen because we, you know, we've got a good side still. Um, I. I just want us to be competitive, but I mean, if we do win, then there's going to be an awful lot of smoke. So either way, we're going to get, we we, yeah. we know we're get we're going to get around the of kitchen sink. As I say, though, I mean, I think the important thing is that when we were promoted, we said myself and Matt on the the first cast that we wanted to test ourselves against the best, and if if we couldn't have the champions, then it would have to have been Bears, Sale, or or Chiefs. Mm-hmm. As, as that first game, uh, and it, it, just to see where we are more than anything else. And, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting the lads to go down there. I mean, after watching us play Ulster on Thursday in the uh, returner friendly, <laughs> we've got performers like, Al- like that, we will get shellacked. But, you know, we're going to go in there with a good team, missing six British Lions who've got a long time off. Um, and as I say, I just hope you know that we are competitive. We, if we win, we win. If we get a bonus point loss, just what, it's just going to be nice to be back in that Premiership and test ourselves against the best.
2: It's interesting you mentioned you're going to be missing your six. Um, Lions I mean we'll we'll be missing our one Carl Sinker but um I mean you know it's a good opportunity for for us Bristol fans to see some of your your other players I guess so I mean I'm interested to know what what do you think you know what sort of team will you put there will, will your game plan be what we kind of expect it will be and are there any little gems um players that we need to worry about beyond Bren Earl and Max Malins by the way? But well, absolutely,
5: yeah. I mean, it's great to see Ben and Max back in black shirts, you know, in their proper proper jerseys. But I will say, <laughs> I will say as well, for for their development as players, going to Bristol and playing under one of the best coaches out there. I do rate Pat Lamb, other than the Leicester debacle last year, which was, it didn't didn't show us up. I don't want to talk to you about that. (laughs) But yeah, no, Ben and Max's game has progressed to the next level. But um, yeah, I think last year in the Championship, there was a lot of good players came in, bought into the Saracens' way. Um, along a spine of established um, players. So, you know, he likes um, Richard Barrington um, and Tim Swinson, the old war horse who signed on for another year. Billy Van is looking pretty much like that British Lions Mm -hmm. not going on that tour has done him a world of good and refocused him. Um, But yeah, we're looking at, A lot of good players. Ali Davis got our player of the year, our scrum half. He really, you know, stepped up into a role that Richard Wigglesworth and Ben Spencer had developed that DNA of Saracens playing. And, but yeah the young players coming through Andy Christie's one to watch Sean Raphael was going to have a, a nice season competing with um, Ben Earl for that number seven shirt um, we've got um, Manu Vinopola playing standoff he'll play a lot this year but obviously you know the first ten weeks of the year of the season we don't have Owen Farrell and then Owen undoubtedly will be away Six Nations Autumn International so yeah there's lots of good players there Elliot Ottenbeer on um, the a back, brilliant players you know so yeah I'm really looking forward to them taking the next step and and showing you know it's one of those cases they're either going to sink or swim now they've yeah. they've earned their rights to be given that opportunity and now they've got to take it
2: Brilliant well look final question I mean you, you can duck it if you want but
5: are you brave enough to, to give a, a score prediction? <laughs> it's, a, it's going to be interesting I, a score prediction is it, a difficult one if we play like we did when we played Ulster away, then I think it could be quite close. If we play like we did Ulster at the Artillery Company, um, it, it could be fearful. I think personally, you'll get five tries, we'll get three or four, and we'll we'll get a, bonus, a losing bonus point. If we get that, then uh, I'll be happy. Anything more than that'll be a bonus. Brilliant. Well, well let's wait and see. Yeah.
0: Well, it was really interesting to hear from Jez, and I think I, I partly wondered whether they were—he he was going to come back, or Saracens fans were going to say, "Yeah, we're just going to walk this league, you know, we're we're back, and that's it." But yeah, I think he, he he was a little bit tentative. Whether it was because he was on opposition podcast, I don't know, but certainly didn't get the feel that he thought they were just going to come back and dominate.
2: No, I think he was—he was being. Sensible, I think he realised. I think he genuinely felt that. I don't think he was playing up to the to the interview. I think he, you know, he was he was accepting the fact that you can't just come straight back in, and which I think bodes quite well for us for Friday. Um I must point out that I mean it was a short interview, but it was good to get the first use of the word shellacking into yeah. the into the pod, and secondly. I don't know why I've never thought about this, but I've never referred to Vincent Cock as Vinny Cock, and uh, (laughs) and I can't get out of my head anymore. So uh, um, Cock stuck in his head. Yeah, exactly. So um, no, I think I mean I think he was very well balanced. I mean he he played up a little bit to the the Saracen's uh, ideal. I mean what you know I don't think they're going to be any different than they've had have been. But uh, he was, I think he was pretty fair in his uh, analysis. And was, was really not expecting them to win, really. Um, and he knew it was going to be a big tough. But I quite like the fact that he said, even though we know it's a tough assignment, that's what they wanted. They they didn't want an easy first game. They wanted to play either Exeter, Sale or Bristol to see to see where they were, to judge where they were. So fair play to him for that.
0: Yeah. And uh, Lee, I, I was just going to say, how, how much do you think the fact that they have got, did he say six Lions yeah. that, that mm. wouldn't be available? Yeah you know, is that going to
1: be a big benefit for us? Is that going to make a difference, the, the difference? I think, I mean, it has to, it has to be, doesn't it? I mean, <clears throat> I think if if we could have chosen anyone for the first game, it would have been Saracens. Not only because of the players that they've got out, because obviously it does give us a, a huge benefit, but also it's, it's one of those games where you think they're coming back up again and, you know, they've been absolutely slated and rightly so. But, uh, you know, they've done their time, haven't they? And then they're back in the top table and it would be nice to, as Pete says, or as, as uh, Jez said, uh, give them a good shellacking in the first game just to uh, just to welcome them back in. And, of course, uh, Vinny
0: played for South Africa. So do you mm-hmm. think Cock will be out? Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you should ask Miles that, don't totally. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, gentlemen. You can tell it's the first one of the season, can't you? <laughs> right, now now Pete's having to chew on some built on, which is quite quite appropriate, actually. Uh, Miles, let me come to you because you're not the only you're the only one that's not giggling at the moment. Um, how how do you see how do you see Saracen's fair in this season?
3: Um I think apart from this first game, I think, you know, Jez from the It was quite right. I mean, I, I, as I said, I did not know that they would have up to six British Lions out for the first game. And I was um, a little bit uh, concerned, really, that we'd face Samson's on our first game. I knew they'd come back hard. They've got a massive point to prove. Actually... Back hard? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I think with the Bears system, most of the players fit. We obviously don't know who's going to be unavailable till the team sheets. Uh, advertised on Thursday lunchtime Um, I think we should be quite a straightforward win against Sarries. to be honest with you they'll put some tries on us of course they're really good really good side their B team has always been excellent their academy is excellent obviously that's had to be trimmed down to come within the salary cap Um, but I'm confident they win but um, you know the return leg later in the season is going to be a whole different ball game and it'll be interesting to see the comparison and do you think, Lee, the fact that uh, they they had a championship season,
0: so I know they lost the Cornish Pirates in that first game, but pretty much when they got in their swing, they were just sweeping everyone aside. Um, I don't know. Is it going to be a plus or a minus, the fact that they only had, what was it, uh, about a 10-game season with the playoffs where we had to fight through a full season and, and the European mm. challenge as well? Um or or are they and let's get another one of the cliches in, are they gonna be a bit ring rusty? That they they haven't played really strong teams for well, a season.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean I I totally agree. I think that they will take a couple of weeks to adjust. I also agree with Mars. I think when they do get into their stride there will be a force, you know, to to reckon with, but I think that initially it's going to take two or three weeks for them to get back into into the swing of things. And and also, I mean, like you say, we, they struggled in the premiership. Obviously, your boys, the Cornish Pirates, had you know, beat them in the first game. And this is upper level again. And a lot of those players, are, you can tell they're still not fit, or they, because of the lack of action. And uh, I think they will struggle for the first two or three weeks. Which is not
0: not being match fit that sharpness not, that, of playing yes. top level rugby. Yeah,
1: and I and I think, but but when they do hit the straps, I think they'll, they'll they'll be a you know they'll be definitely top top two top three.
0: Yeah, I, and that's a point I want to pick up. Actually, can I pick it up with you, Pete, Is are you slightly concerned? We seem to be the only Premiership team that hasn't had any pre-season friendlies against what I class as kind of reasonable opposition in a, in a kind of open forum. I think we've had a couple... We, we had an inter-club game, didn't we? And we had a, a, a game against Hartbury behind closed doors. But uh, Jez was talking about games against... Was it Ulster? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it was See, Ulster. I um,
0: and I, I was looking last weekend. I haven't really checked this weekend, but I think at least nine or maybe even ten of the premiership teams had yeah. competitive proper fixtures... Um,
2: does that worry you that we haven't done that this season it does a little bit because it's quite unusual isn't it we we, we normally expect that I mean when you look at the results quite a lot of them didn't do that well did they I think Newcastle Falcons did alright but um, it's a difficult one pre-season because it, it that basically means nothing doesn't it and I, and I guess you weigh it up and think there's a risk of injury um, we don't know we have no idea how hard how intense the training sessions have been Um behind closed doors. I, we, I, I think this is, a, a. I think another one, let's get a cliche in early, this is another case of impact we trust, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, he, he's not, he's not, it's not going to be an oversight, is it? It's not going to be, Nick Fenton-Wells was supposed to organise a couple of friendlies and forgot. And, uh, you know, it'll be part of a plan. It, it, it does worry me a little bit it, it, I mean we'll find out in the first 10 minutes won't we on Friday whether it's been a good idea or not because we'll either be spilling the ball left right and centre or we'll be so sharp it will be the game will have gone so I, I, it's a hard one but in Pat we trust yeah. yeah, I'll tell you one thing that I'm
0: looking forward to and I, I applaud the club for their change of approach is the fact that um, last or, or, or the season before last the um, when it looked like a big crowd they used to open the upper lands down first and the atio was always the mm. the kind of yeah. final stand yeah. to open i love the fact that i think for both saracens and bath we've had the atio open first because i think that's so important to build that atmosphere the fact that you'll have fans on all four sides of, of the ground and I just think, from a, a TV marketing perspective as well, that you're not looking at a stand of empty seats. Yeah. So let's face it, you never see the upper lands down. And the difference between, I don't know what it is for the Saracens game, twenty five thirty quid to sit behind uh, the posts at the Atio, as opposed to sixty quid to sit in the middle of the upper lands down, has mm. only got to be good for for bringing more people into the game. So I think I think that's that that that's great. Um, well, let's let's give our estimate then or our guess on who's going to play. Uh what I'm going to do, Pete, I'm going to come to you first and then I'm going to ask you to uh who plays in the front and second row. Uh Lee, I uh, I want you to take the the back row and scrum half and fly half. And Miles, you get the the rest of the backs. So, Pete, over to you. Who do you see playing uh in that front row and in the in the second row?
2: Okay, so starting at tight head. Tricky one because it it's hard to see a foe playing a full game. We know he's a, he's perhaps a half game, but I, I think he may have some involvement. But I'm, you know, again, it, it, I'm I'm conflicted. Armstrong is our obvious other full um, tight head. There are doubts about him. So I, I suspect it might be a kind of a foe a Jan Thomas half and half situation. Um, I think Hooker is a difficult one to call. I mean, f- brand new contract, uh, Jake Kerr, full, full contract, but Thacker who was our number one back fit. He is back fit, though. Is he Fax now? Well, I, I'm assuming so. I don't know. But I I, I suspect it might be a, a Jake Kerr to start. It's just my little feeling. Um, and then I think, again, you know, he's been working on his rig. I think uh, I'd like to see Laheath at uh, Loosehead. And then I was thinking about um, the second row, and I initially had gone the, the standard Atwood Vui, but then I just thought about what Chris Jones said about how we could we could do with just a little bit more filth in the front type five. And I just thought for this game, big game at the gate, um, you know, bit Saracen's coming in. We could do with giving him a little bit of hard time. I, I fancy Joycey starting and I fancy it being a Vui Joyce axis. And Joycey, I mean, Joycey is not a kind of, to me, he is not an understudy he has got his place in, on, the, on the team yeah. sheet in certain situations and I think he he will be and I think that might surprise Saracens a little bit as well so I'm, I'm, I'm going Afoa Thomas as a kind of half-half I'm going to go Kerr, Laheef, Vui Joyce.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I'm surprised. Then. I, I am that, very man. surprised because I must admit my front front row would have been Jan Thomas, Harry yeah. Thacker, John Foa, yeah, uh, and then maybe Max to come on. For I just don't afoa. think afoa
2: is gonna. Yeah, I just I don't know. Well, you, and there's two ways of looking at it. I mean, one way or the other, I don't think afoa is going to play a full game, is he? So, um, yeah, and we need to nurse him because
0: yeah. we yeah. Sinclair yeah. away still for yeah. you know five mm. or six games. If if John Foa goes down injured. Uh, we're in trouble we, we, yeah, yeah, we are absolutely. in big trouble. And anybody else any comments on that?
1: No, I mean I I am surprised. I, I thought like for me I would agree with you Tane. I I would have thought Big Dave and Chris in the second row. But it's a good shout. I and mean, and you've absolutely backed it up and I think, yeah, Joycey never ever lets us down, does he? And First scrabble. game of the season. Scrapper. And he's a Bristolian yeah. and he's going to, yeah, he's going to put his arm straight on the 5% extra with the badge. Yeah.
0: I, I, I just wonder whether they'll keep him hungry for the bath game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I,
2: you can see it both ways. That's another angle. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just, you asked me, so I'm, I'm, that's you, what I reckon. Thank yeah. you for your <laughs>
0: opinion. If we value it. Lee, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So... Uh, Mine's
1: pretty easy, really, isn't it? What well, right. do you think? Well, obviously, for me, 6... Captain Superman, Steven Lee tour Captain Fantastic, yeah. it's seven, for me, it's got to be Dan Thomas. Now, yeah. obviously, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he, I mean, the seven's his shirt now, isn't it? Um, number eight, I'm going to stick with Big Nath because I just think, you know, the, the bulk is going to smash through the Saris. We've got Harry back at number nine.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we got Callum at 10 I mean this, surely it picks itself doesn't it yeah and, I mean I don't know if you guys I mean there's obviously there's cases to be to be had I mean I love the interview with Mitch Eady in the paper this week and mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. you know he's up for it and he's uh, he's raring to go so Mitch going to be around the around the, the scene obviously you've got Fitz Harden, um Jake Heenan who f- you know fills 6, 7 and 8 you know absolutely admirably doesn't he Every every year um, and obviously, Tom Whiteley can step in at fly half. <laughs> right. Sorry, Scrum, half.
0: I think we're ruling Whiteley out as a fly half. He's
1: a nine. And obviously, Lloydy um, can step in. So, I mean, you know, we I think we're more than capable of covering all bases in that, in, right. in those areas.
0: Okay. Yeah, I must admit, I think they, they tend to be more... I can't disagree with those really. I mean, whether Andy Uren would play uh,
2: or Rand I
3: was going to say or, he might be a bit disappointed
2: he didn't get a mention. Uh, yeah, really? yeah solid. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: you know, I like the taste of Uran, mm. but um, <laughs> you know, he might just uh, he, he might just feature. On, <laughs> oh dear, he might just feature on the bench on on
0: Friday. <laughs> no, that's. that's- Let's not give Miles two beers again when we're recording, eh? <laughs> okay, well, talking of Miles, let's come to you then. So, 11 through to 15, who is going to uh, play in that back line? Who's going to do the damage?
3: Well, um, personally, I, I think sort of Piers O'Connor sort of picks himself, really. I mean, as Chris Jones said, he's a fantastic player. Where, though? Where? Well, 12 or 13. I think, or on the wing. Well, I don't know. I think we've got too many wing options, really. I think you're right. I mean, um, I, I think who's available now? We obviously lost Piotr in the last season. I forgot that like, Alipati Ali Leo who was even in the squad. But, so I think... Oh, I know, I, know, I know.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely solid.
3: So I That's a new victim for miles this <laughs> season. <laughs> absolutely. So now you've mentioned it, I would put Alapati on the inside centre, um, Piers outside... We've obviously signed this new chap, Antoine, Antoine Friche, isn't it, from the French side, but yeah. he's a bit fresh, maybe a bit young. He might be <laughs> on, might be on <laughs> the bench. <Frisch. laughs> a bit fresh, might be on the bench. Uh, and then on the wings, I mean, who didn't we see last season is our, one of our favourites, Piston Purdy. Surely he's got to be fit now, hasn't he? No. He's not? No, he's not going to be fit for the start of the season. Oh, worrying now then. Okay, well... Luke Moraghan, clearly on one wing, and I know you've said that. That obviously maybe just like push push peers onto a wing, um, or, or bring in the likes of Bedlow really into the squad. Well, I'm stuck now. Now you and right. uh, well, are you going to give Charles again? Obviously, the only, the only person I'd pick is Charles. Um, you know, let's play him for the first few games, see how his Achilles fares up, um, and then. You know, we'd have perhaps Lloyd on the bench as backup, but yeah, Charles has got to play a fullback.
0: I think it's interesting because, you know, Luke Moraghan, I think, on, on one wing. Um, but we have heard rumours that uh Nualago, who obviously missed a lot of last season with I think it was a knee injury, may have picked up some new injury in in pre season. So I think there's lots of Bears fans that were hoping that uh, we'd see him at the start of the season. Um, as I say, not confirmed, but uh I think, uh, from what we've heard, he, he might be missing for uh, a little while. So, I mean, Pete, who, who do you think we would put on the,
2: the the wing? Well, Lloyd has played there a couple of times, hasn't he? I think we should just point out that we haven't mentioned Semi Randrandra because we're assuming yeah. he's yeah. not back because yeah. of, uh, of the, the, the um, Olympics. Well, I mean... I say if you, if you end up having a I say Leo Leua, Leo, sorry, Frisch Center, then you could put a Connor on the wing, or, or Leo and Lloyd. I mean, I think perhaps Joewen Lloyd Wilson, he's played there before. Mm. Um, so um, and I can't well, we, we've, we've got Toby Fricker the yeah, Frick is still in the squad the Frickster yeah. who knows he might have had an absolutely storming pre-season and is, is raring to go and, and we got Adi we got Adi and, and let's not let's not forget that Adi Alokan yeah. he, he did improved, not start, didn't he? did he
3: he improved massively and, and didn't he? he
2: stepped up when we needed him and played so maybe who knows we just don't know what's been going on in pre-season do we
1: so, well to be fair last season me and Miles both had to doff our cap to yeah, Adi Alokan yeah. didn't we because mm. He didn't have the greatest start, but once he settled in, he was great for us and he was good under the eyeball. Yeah. He was fast and he was, he was a great team player, which is yeah. you know, massively important Can I just I, there's one thing I want go back to briefly, was, was I agree with you, Hughesy
2: at number eight, but I would imagine that Billy Vunapola would be playing for Saracens, having not toured with the Lions. And, yeah. and I, I quite like that, I'm quite looking forward to a, smash a, up. a Billy Ooh. Hughes smash-up. Yeah. Um. It could be uh. Could be a bit of a spectacle that. So mm. I'm hoping that. You know, it's a big task, big big ask for Big Nath uh to go up against Billy, but I just think it would be. That's what the fans will be paying for to see that.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, and vice versa, though. You know, Nate, Nathan running at you. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, no, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah I just yeah, think yeah. it's
2: it will be a good matchup.
0: Yeah, that that will be a great matchup. Um. Well, I think I think it's going to be interesting. The backs, um, the wingers. I think Luke Morahan, Charles Peel, nailed on. Piers O'Connor, in the absence of Sammy Randra, will pick up one of the, the centre positions. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I think it's too too early maybe for Frisch, whether Leua will come in. Maybe Frisch might be on the bench. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be interesting. I think Adi Alokun could be on the other wing. Or, or you you know, do we put Ewan Lloyd's twinkle toes uh, on that wing? I'm trying to think who potentially Saracens might have on that side if it's not some beast the, the, then maybe you you go for Lloyd, but if you maybe need something a bit more uh, bulky for defence, who who knows? So I think that would be interesting. Actually, eleven to fifteen. I think there's lots of uh, lots of possible combinations. We've got
1: Alex Goop back as well, haven't we, Sowes? Yeah. so
0: yeah. Max yeah. no. so, yeah. Malins.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where will he play?
0: Well, that's interesting, boys. We haven't really talked about that, but but Malins and Earl. Um, you know how much of an influence are they going to have the, on the game? As in, they know how Bears yeah. play and mm. lots of the calls, but also from our point of view, we know how they play and like to play mm. as well. And of course, we've got Whiteley that's come from Saracens in the other
1: direction. Mm. Does it even up, Lee? Well, and we we're talking about matchups, and just just maybe feet then feet saying about matchups. You've got Dan Thomas against potentially Ben Arrow. It's seven. I mean, Jesus, that's going to be a hell of a battle, isn't it? It's I, yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on all over that pitch. The more you, the more you think about the opposition, the more excited you get about the game. Oh,
0: absolute Pietau Maybe play Charles Pietau at fifteen. Max Malins at the other fifteen. You know, could be. It, 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 well, as I say, I, I can't wait. It's almost perfect, isn't it? That it's a Friday night. We're on first. And that you've got, you know, the 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 dark lords that have come up from the uh, from the championship, uh, with obviously trying to regain their uh, the, 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 the stages that they had. Um, we had the two boys on loan that have then gone back. It is set up for a great game, and I think it must be looking like twenty thousand or so. Yeah, the place is going to be buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And even though the three of us. Plus miles with his entourage, um, you know, are going to be there. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Can't wait. So, score predictions. I'm going to come to
2: uh, Pete first, your predictions for the game. Okay. I think we're going to score four tries and uh, a few kicks here and there. I'm going to go
0: uh, 28-18. 28-18. Let me come to you next, Lee.
1: That's really close to what I was going to call, actually. I do agree with Pete. I think we're going to score four tries. Um, and my prediction would be 28-15. 28-15.
0: Uh, miles.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we'll get four tries. Whether we'll get all the conversions, I'm not sure. So maybe something like 26 to 20 26 20
0: I am going to go for uh, 31 to Bristol 29 to Saracens mm-hmm. I think we could humdinger. see a bit of a, Ooh, humdinger. A, a feast of
2: rugby so not a
0: shellacking then not a shellacking <laughs> I think uh, you know we, we've seen when in previous seasons when they've sent teams down when the Six Nations has been on yeah, yeah. They're, they're still a pretty Can strong... Can I, do I do just double-check do
2: with my prediction, yeah. Tony? In 2018, is that a round? Or is that a, just a comfortable victory? I think that's comfortable, yeah. Tony. comfortable.
4: <laughs> just yeah. checking. I
0: think it's got to be at least over two scores. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, well, that's nearly it. Um, I think there's there's one final thing, Pete, that you, you'd you like to bring up
2: before we, uh, we call it a day on the show? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Uh, well, actually three, because you've forgotten something, Tony, so I'll bring that in. Okay. Um, the first thing was... I just wanted to mention uh, I had a street party yesterday in our uh, in our street. Uh, we live, I mean, sadly, I don't. You kind of these things is the first time you meet a lot of people. Anyway, having a few beers in the afternoon, cars had gone away. Bloke sidles up to me. God, you know, nice. I, actually, he was older and I thought he looked quite young. And uh, sidles up to me and goes, "When's the next podcast out?" And I was like, "What?" Oh, you know about the podcast anyway. He's an avid listener, Stuart from uh, from My Road. And he pieced together my identity based on me mentioning the Coronation pub and seeing a couple of pictures of me on Twitter. So and great, I've got to say, yeah. got a great chat with him. He would said he'd listen to every single episode. It was his Monday evening walk with his dog and he has been missing us all summer. So it was, a, it was just a really nice moment. But and he, he, he'd managed to picture your identity by seeing pictures of you. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, I changed my identity quite a lot, Tony, In the hair <laughs> gets a lot the yeah. swing. Wait, did he see Pete? I shared Or did he see the rig? Wow, I um, think it was the rig, but that was very nice and I said I'd mention it because it was a nice it was a nice little yeah. way to start off the season. But the big thing I wanted to talk about was I have been roundly mocked by not just yourselves but by good listeners and good fans. About what appear you make it sound like is my obsession with budgie smugglers and speedos. I mean, but over pre-season, what do I see? But all of these reports of the players down at the down school swimming, and it's obviously been a very clear, very important part of their pre-season preparation. And at the end of this little session, this little uh, series of weeks of swimming, there was a team photo with the swimming coach, a lovely lady. And what were they all wearing, Tone? They were all wearing Speedos. So you mocking me about the fact that the club should, shouldn't should start stocking Bears-branded Speedos. This, my man, is getting close to reality. So when they start stocking Bears Speedos down the gate, I want a full and heartfelt apology in writing from all of you. And, and I don't know
0: where
1: you think we get this obsession with you and Speedos from. <laughs> Lee, you wanted to, to ju- make a comment? I just want to say, we weren't mocking Pete at all. It's just, I think what we were collectively trying to say is if you're going to wear Speedos, you've got to have the content to wear them with. <laughs>
5: yeah. You've got to have the rig. Uh, you got, uh, got to have the rig oh, to wear them.
1: Realize. And to be fair to the boys, they looked like they had enough rig to wear the There were feet. some filthy rigs okay. in that photo. I, I think, think that's the say. only discrepancy yeah. that we yeah, can yeah, say yeah, between,
2: really the, <laughs> between. But four it of does that. finish off, to with, with the last thing I thought we, we might just mention was the kit, uh, the shirts. Um, yeah. I did forget and, about that. And uh, I thought maybe very quickly we might want mm. to finish off just with our opinions on them. Right, let's let's go
0: then. Uh, we'll you you take what came out first, the European shirt,
2: Pete. Yeah, I've already bought a European shirt last season. Uh, I liked it. I, I didn't think this season's one was quite as good, so I'm going to be leaving that on the shelf down the shop. I'm going to stick with my one from last year.
0: I've got to admit, my first view of the European one was didn't really get it. It looked like something that you would have washed at forty degrees. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. When I saw the context of their trying to mirror the uh, the brightly coloured houses in yeah. Bristol, mm. I thought, yeah, that's quite clever, but I don't know if it's one of those good ideas that sounds like a good idea when yeah. you're in the design phase, but actually the reality mm. isn't quite. But, yeah, who knows? Let me come to you, Lee, with the home shirt.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought the home shirt looked very similar to um, last season's home shirt, and for me... Traditionally, I never, ever buy the AIM shirt normally anywhere. I always, you know, buy the away shirt. Um, it was too similar, but you did say that you've been to the shop and you'd actually seen it firsthand and it and it actually did look quite different, didn't it, Tang?
0: Yeah, I must admit, I, I I went down to the shop uh, and they had the home and away shirts and it kind of flipped my opinion because initially I was more in favour of, or from a personal point of view, of the away shirt actually the the home shirt looks really good and I like the way that the pattern is all on the back as well mm. uh, I, I think it's a better shirt than last season the design uh, so um, I'm gonna ask all of us in a minute which ones we may or may not buy but uh, yeah I, I, I think the home shirt is pretty good miles the the away shirt uh,
3: predominantly I love the hoops the Hamas, the sort of you know the traditional Bristol shirts but then UTC have been down and seen it, and you sort of uh, put me on the back foot really, and said you didn't actually like it. The hoops don't extend round the back, which I understand because they've got to have the, sh- the player numbers on, and the bear was really a bit too big. Um, yeah, and uh, so I'm not entirely sure. Initially, I thought brilliant. That's the one I'll buy, but now, um yeah, the European shirts not for me. Looks like someone's vomited over the shoulder. <laughs> uh, and I may be inclined to go buy the home shirt, but I'll go down, I've got a few days off this week, go down and see what's there and maybe buy the home shirt. It was interesting, we asked a poll, we asked the same questions for e- e- each
0: of the shirts. And I think the the fans view was that the the away shirt was the the number one favourite. Uh, I think then it was the European shirt and the home shirt was third. But I think to be fair, there there was a big percentage for all of them that, that liked yeah. the shirt. Yeah. There weren't that many people that mm, were against it. Okay, quickly then, Pete, are you going to buy a shirt? And if so, which one? Yep,
2: I am mean, going to buy a shirt. I'm going to buy a away shirt purely because this is the first season for a where we can go away for, since last time. So regardless of what you think about the design, if you're going to go away, you got to wear you got to wear an away shirt. So I'm buying an away shirt.
1: Lee. I probably won't wear an, uh, I probably won't buy a shirt this season, if I'm honest. But I do agree with Pete, we will be going away quite a bit this year and I'll wear it. last season's
3: a wear shirt. Miles? Well, I failed to buy any shirt last season and I was gutted not to buy the fantastic European shirt. Um, but I might go and buy a home shirt this season because I didn't buy one last year. And for me, as I say,
0: I had a bit of a, a U-turn when I went down to the, the club. I think I probably will get a shirt this season and it would be the the home shirt. Well, that's it for this week. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, We'll be back next week with our review of the Saracens game and a preview of our away trip to Wasps. Until then... Goodbye, stay lucky and come on Briz.